This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We have been teaching on an ongoing series on what is the real truth about the tithe. And all of this goes in, it even, it, Everything connects with the birth of Christ. None of this is possible without the birth of Christ. So, you know, you can't get around. It's, it, I was thinking, I said, God, do, I, I need to do a Christmas message. God said, my whole world, the whole word is around the birth of Jesus. Everything you teach is around the birth of Jesus. If not for the birth of Jesus, nothing would be in place. Nothing would be as it is. There would be no resurrection without Jesus. There would be none of this. None of this wouldn't even exist. There would not be a church if it wasn't for the birth of Jesus. So he said, "You don't have it's not, it's not any special teaching. It's just teaching the word of God because it all connects to the birth." of the living God. And I'm so thankful for that. So we have been doing an ongoing teaching on what is the real truth about the tithe. Because God is trying to get us to a place, and especially in this new year, in this time that's coming, God is trying to get us to get out of debt, to understand what He's saying, how He's saying it, how to handle your finances, so that you can be victorious. And so in these teachings, we're going to connect those now, and we're going to... My prayer... All week I've been praying. I said, Father, let them get this. Let them get this. I want you to get it. I'm going to take my time today because I want you to get it. Because it's not, it's nothing. And I keep hearing my founding pastor in my head every time I want to push forward when he says, slow down. Slow down and just teach the word. The most important is, is not that you give them all the information, but that they understand it. They understand it so they can walk in it. So that's the most important thing. You understanding it. My son came in after he got through ministering this morning. He said, you know, mom, I got, I got right back to just where I left off last week. I didn't even get to good. I said, but it was good. I said, God knows what he's doing. I said, a lot of times we think we can, let's go here. I need to go there and I need to go. I need more time. I, I said, no. I said, it was good. It was fresh. It was God. I said, so all we do is allow God to lead us, direct us. We just follow suit. People will get you to do this, that, and the other. And you be all off of God's plan. I said, no. It was, I said, it was perfect. It was exactly what God wanted to be said. And a lot of times we think, okay, I said that. Let me move on. Let me move. And people still haven't gotten it. Still haven't gotten it. And my, my husband would always say, he said, I look at the faces of the people. He said, if they look confused, I go over it again. He said, if one of them look confused, I go over it again. The others just have to sit there that already know. Because one is just as important as everybody knowing. Go over it until you get it. Amen? So this teaching on why should we tithe for continuity of thought, with the whole thought pattern that you had since all these weeks of teaching, we're going to review a little and then we're going to flow into the new information of, this, of the continuing subject on what is the real truth about the tithe. Now, 
We've discovered in earlier earlier teachings in this particular series that we're teaching that it's really not necessarily for non-tithers. This is for tithers. This is for the tithers to get to a place and stop being in a place where they're not getting the full benefit of the tithe simply because they're tithing in the wrong way. They're tithing with the wrong heart. They're tithing with unclean hands. They're tithing, tithing with the wrong motivation. And when you do that and you put the the offering in the bucket or the tithe in the bucket, then you don't get the full benefit of it. And we want to work on that. Amen? So, because everything, we, the whole purpose is we want you to be blessed and God wants you to be blessed. Now, you should be in Malachi chapter 3, which is our foundational scripture. Go there and sit and, and, and sit there for just a second. And let, let me just, just clear this up. Now, we'll know that the word tithe is a Hebrew word and it means a tenth. And so that tenth, we have already said in previous teaching, we already can set that thing in our mind that it's not ours. It belongs to God. It must be returned to Him. We don't think of it. It's something we can use. We don't put it a part of our budget. We take it out from the beginning. People don't like it. People want to hear all the message on what God has for me and how He wants to. But when you start teaching messages where you have an obligation to do something or you have to do something, then it's like, oh, you know, oh, why do I have to do? Well, you have a part in this. You're in the kingdom for such a time. So you have to listen to the king and you have to uh, operate appropriately. Amen. So we said we immediately set it aside and separate it from our possession in our minds and in our actual hands. Now here's where we are. We have discovered when the tithe is paid properly with clean hands, clean heart, and the right motivation, immediately the 90 as well as the 10th, immediately is holy, pure, undefiled, incorruptible by the devil and the covenant limit and every covenant promises of God begins to hover over that it hovers over the tithe that you put in it hovers over the 90 because now it's holy it's set apart because I did it with clean hands clean heart the right motivation now the holy one hovers over that and the righteousness is that it's a holy thing and remember, I want you to keep in your mind the tithe and the tenth is not the money. The, that's not the seed. The tenth is not the seed. Uh, the, the, the seed is the obedience. Because remember, I did a teaching some years ago what a, what a seed is. It has to be a part of a whole. And so money, that's not it. the obedience. So when you put it in there with the right hands, the clean heart, clean hands, right motivation, right then that thing becomes pure. That thing becomes holy. That's the way God does it. Amen. From that point on, you can go ahead now and glorify God in every area. Now that I did the tenth right, I can glorify God with the ninety that's left over. Now if you're in Malachi chapter 3... We can depend on God. Look at verse 6. It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Verse 10. He said, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. 
And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Now I love that most, I love that most of all. Look at, look at verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. And all nations and all people, nations or people, shall call you blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we can depend on God. The fact that God is not a changing God, that's our dependency. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's my dependency right there, is that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we also have to understand the fullness of his promises are included in the unveiling of this window of heaven. What he said, I will open up the windows of heaven. And pour you out of heaven. He just unveils something there. He just told you what he would do. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not changing his word. It's solid. Amen. So here's what he's saying. There's a plan in the scripture for the 90 that's left over when you bring the tithe. He said it's a plan. And this is what I'm going to do. He said the first thing that we learn to do. Let's, we, we're going to go back to some of the information. The first thing that we learn to do once we do the tithe is when the 90 is left over, the first thing we do is what? Pay our obligations. We, we taught on that. Pay your bills. God wants you to pay your bills. Let me take a, mon- a moment under paying obligation. Because a lot of things, and I, I didn't want to get you confused, and I wanted you to understand, you know, what we call contractual obligations. Amen? Because we have some contractual ob- obligations that are fixed. Listen, some are fixed. There are obligations that incidents just due to life, just due to just living. And so they're fixed in there. They're necessary. Are you with me? And then we have the acquired obligations. But let me, let me interject something right here the, the, about debt and obligations. Because there's a fine line between the two, and I don't want you confused. I want you to understand it. And I may have left you, left, left you a little confused last week because I dealt with those, and I think I might have dealt with them a little fast. So I want you to understand these because it's a fine line with the, about the debt and obligations. Listen to me. All obligations that you necessarily, uh, that you might necessarily think of as debt may not be just debt. There's a difference. There are some contractual obligations that are not debt, but they're still an obligation. Listen to me. So let me, let me make it clear. And I want to point it up this morning. Because you are in a contractual obligation, it does not mean necessarily that you're in debt. Well, wait, didn't you say last week, contractual, follow me, be patient. For example, if you own a home, listen, that is a contractual obligation. We know that. You, 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 all that stuff you sign, that's called a contract. So that is a contractual obligation. But this is the thing. 
in your home, if your home is in a position where if you sell it, you can make a profit off of it. Or if something came up or you realize that more, you can get more from the sale of your house, listen, than what you owe on it, then you have to, you, you call that net equity is what you get. Listen, you get net equity in that house. If you sell it and you get more than what you owe, then you don't consider that as being a debt. You don't consider that as a debt. Why? Because if you can, if need be, you can liquidate that thing and make a profit. So that's not a debt. Are you following me? Please follow me. Then, you know, if you can make a profit from it, then it's not a debt. But now, there are some things that are contractual things, or there are some things that you can go out and buy, like clothes, shoes, cars, and other things that uh, like that. And the moment that you buy it, you're already behind. That's different. The moment that you buy it and you get them, you're already behind. But contractual obligations that is invested in such a manner that you can make a profit or increase or even an investment, any of those, you don't put that in your debt column when you start adding up my debt and my, you know, my assets and my liabilities. Don't put that in the debt column. Because you can make a profit on that. Are you with me? I want you to get this. Although it's a contractual obligation. Are you getting with me on this? I want you to, it is still a contractual obligation. All contractual obligations are not the same. So it's not, you know, you, we gotta look at this thing legalistically in this form, because then you'll get all mixed up and say, oh, God, I'm just in debt. Now, if you went in and bought a house beyond your means, you are in debt. I'm not talking. See, let's balance it. You you just put yourself in that. That needs to go in the debt college because you went way over what you were supposed to, and you know it, and you know you can't afford it. That's different. Amen? You, you, so you may have a contractual obligation. And let's say, see, uh, another, let me give you another example. You can have a contractual obligation with an annuity. Some of you have annuities. I do. I know you, you can have annuities. And with that, that means you're paying something in all the time to, 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 for something later. That's still a contractual obligation. But it's not, you wouldn't put that in the debt column because you're going to benefit from that. Are you understanding me? And because, see, in that, you're putting something in, and you know if you take it out early, there's a penalty. But, it, but when you don't, it's building value, right? And even though it's a contractual obligation, again, it does not go in the debt column because it's making value for you. So I didn't want to leave you with that confusion that everything is contractual is also debt. Now, let me give you the word that I call the, the debt. 
so you can write it down and you'll know the difference between what I'm talking about. What I call debt, write it down, is a negative financial position. You can be in a negative financial position. Then we talked about fixed obligations. We said it should be one-third of your income. And there should be another third of your income that's set aside for kingdom living. We talked about these last week. And then we skipped on down and we said another third should be for your natural designated funds that you can grow, develop, spend it on your life to make yourself better in whatever way that you want. I'm not going to get all into that, but that's what we talked about. Now, now that's where you are setting up or setting something aside that... that, that um, the natural designated, you're setting something aside for your own use, your own natural use, where you can better yourself. That is a, a third of that should be there. I know, I know it doesn't seem like, no, it's no way, it's no way. Stop saying that. It is a way. It is a way. You probably make more money than me. It, it is a way. It's called discipline. It's called changing the way you're doing it now and starting to do something different, starting with tithing properly. See, if you just start that, you'll start clear, you'll start even seeing, seeing clearer. Are you with me? Now, holding all that in mind, let's look back at kingdom designated funds. Because every, when I said that, everybody thought that I meant bring all your money to the church. But there's more to kingdom designated funds than that. Let's make your head clear on that. Designated funds, and we said you have that, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's going to bring back to you and rebound to your account. When you give to others, you give to different, different, different areas. Give, when you give to the ministry like for people for college or whatever kind of, or you know people that are going through a struggle and you do, you're doing kingdom work. See, the church don't have to necessarily know that's kingdom work outside of the church building. And God requires you to have funds or have whatever is needed at that time so that you can be in that. All of that has to do with being in the will of God with the 90 percentile that's left to you because God is going to require for you to do some things with that 90. And it is to help others. We saw some things over in Matthew chapter 6. Let's run over there to Matthew chapter 6. And I think we left off there. In Matthew chapter 6, let's, let's just start right there. God is so good in the way that he laid all of this out. In this, God was pretty much letting us know what we should and shouldn't do. Let's begin at 6 and let's begin at verse 27. Which of you taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not. That means they don't work to do it. Neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, what he just showed us here 
is exactly this. He said, I'm showing you what you shouldn't rely on. See, we, we want to rely on everything. Well, it has to be this way. It has to be that. He said, I'm taking care of the grass of the field. Well, it, and Solomon, with everything he had, wasn't arrayed like one of them. So in this, if you just really meditate, he's showing us what not to rely on, that which is natural. See, we are so caught up in the natural, we rely on it. God said, I don't want you relying on the natural. Are you following him? He said, I don't want you focus on the natural. And I don't want you to serve that which is natural. We should, and he said, and for God's sake, I don't want you worrying about those things that are natural. He said, but what I want you to do is seek, seek the kingdom. He said, I don't want you seeking things after the world. He's like, right here, we're going we're gonna to go, let, let me read verse 30, 31. Therefore take no thought what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or wherewithal shall you be clothed. Therefore all these things do the sinners, heathens seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Then God just showed us, this is what I want you to What, what should you seek? He said, the kingdom of God. I don't want you seeking everything else in the natural. And that's the first thing that God's people. I'm not even talking about sinners. I'm talking about God's people. The first thing they do is they're trying to seek a natural way to do whatever they're going to do. The natural way. But he told us, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is two things that's going to bring us squarely down to what we're going to take off today. And um, and I'm telling you, everything that he just was telling us about the add to life was that when he said all these things will be added to you, he laid it out to you. If you do this, if you do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do this, you're going to have the add to life. Simplicity, 31 to 33 to 34 is what you need. He just laid it out. See, we're always looking for something big and out there. No, it's just that. Stop trying to make God's Word hard. He said, I want you to take no thought. Stop worrying about it. This is how you get into the add to life. We want to do everything else. So, in other words, in verse 31, now, it means, I'm giving you some instructions. When God gives you some instructions, do them. No matter how hard it looks, do the instruction. He said, I don't want you to rely on, I don't want you to focus on, I don't want you to seek, and I don't want you to worry about things. Hold on, because I know you love things. But God said, I don't want you to rely on them, worry about them, focus on them, Seek them. None of those things. He's saying, why? Because I have all that in mind. I, I like what he said. He said, I already know you have need of that. I already know that. Now, because I don't want, because people will get crazy. Oh, I'm not buying no more. Deal. That does not mean don't buy clothes. That does not mean don't go to the grocery store. 
You know, you don't, I'm not buying nothing now. I'm just going to buy some Roman new. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean not to go to the store. It doesn't mean, he was, he's telling you plain and perfectly. When you do those things, don't have anxiety about it. Don't be in a, oh, I wonder if I'm going to have enough. Are we going to have enough of this? Are we going to have, that will keep you from the add to life because now you're focused on what can I do? What can I do naturally to make this work? What can I do here? What can I do? And you're going to go out and get yourself crossed up in all kind of wrong things. He said, don't sit up and worry about these things. And there's people that are hearing me right now. You're concerned about what you don't have. That's where your anxiety attacks are coming. I like verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Now, if your heavenly Father knows that, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Now, again, he didn't say don't purchase. He said don't seek it. You see something? He said, for example, you look at something and that you want. Look at a car. Whatever. And you see something you want. Now, God said, now, I don't want you to just walk in there and just, okay, naturally, they put all kind of percentages on it and what this, that, and other. And you'd be like, okay, let me see, how can I do it? Oh, I can borrow this from them and get this, and I can borrow this. Have you noticed when you do that, it, it corrupts on you? Because have you noticed the things that you try to get by the world is harder to get, and it don't last? And God said, there's a way to get it. It's nothing wrong with you seeing something that you like. But once I see something I like and want, now I step back and I say, now God. Now this is going to be hard to teach because you have to understand this. Before I go and purchase that, or before I figure out a way to get this, that I, and I can't even afford it, Uh, Because if you have to think about it, if you have to borrow money to get it, you can't afford it. Just know that. Oh, no, no, no. I can afford it because, you know, I get paid uh, three weeks from now. I I can afford that now. No. It's going to catch you the next month and the next month until you get behind because you're not focused. You're jumping out doing something without considering God in the matter. You have to say, wait. God said, this is what I want you to do. Before you purchase something, before you go out and just go and get it. But what? Remember, we lift the 90 up and say, God is in your care. Show me how to handle this. Just because you have it, you can't just do what you want. God, how do I handle this? Seek first the kingdom of God. Did you hear me? Now, you, you, you need to look at that. Now, the world, the world itself is occupied with, with what they're, you know, what you're gonna wear, what they're gonna drive. The world is what they're gonna eat. What they're going to have in the natural realm. They're concerned about it. You know, they're preoccupied with it. In the world. Listen. But God is saying, I don't want you preoccupied with that. Why? Because he gives us a reason in 32b. He said, because your father knows that you have need of it. So he said, so why would you be preoccupied with it? I know you need it. 
Notice that he didn't say, I know you want it. He said, I know you need those things. So why would you be preoccupied with it? Let me tell you, it's not your responsibility to be preoccupied with it. Not when you belong to him. Not when you belong to him. So he did not say that these things weren't in, uh, uh, were unimportant. He said, just don't seek them. Don't just get after them. Don't just find a way. You know, okay, I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way for us to get this. And you're going to loan places. And you're, you're doing title deals. And anytime you're doing any of all of that, you are already operating according to the world. Anytime you have to go get a loan from you are operating according to the world. Are you with me? He basically said that those natural things are so important to you that he's taking notice on it. And how does he know? Because Jesus saw all of the things that we need. He said he took notice. Now remember all this before the world began. And he said, I know that they're important to you. I created them. I created them. They are important. Now, some people say, well, you know, you know, I'm not worried about clothes. No, you need to be worried about clothes. because Not worried about clothes, but you should buy clothes. You need clothes. He said, you have need of them. You are not Adam and Eve. You you have need of clothes. He said, I know that. I just don't want you seeking them, worrying about it, have anxiety about it. Then he said, food is important. So important that he took note of it and said it. He said, why are you so caught up in what you should eat and what you should drink and what you should wear? Why are you so off focus? You, it's no way you could be focused on the kingdom and focus on that. That's, you know, uh, listen, when, when God is wanting you focus, you must be focused. Are you following me? Now, that brings us down to what we're going to talk about this morning, the add to life. Write it down. How to live the add to life. Now, see, I, just what I just went over are things we've talked about. We've, we're on our sixth or seventh teaching. So this is a series of teaching. So that was new information. We're going. In, I mean, that was old information. And I just went through it just for continuity of thought. But now we're going into the new information. And you need to buckle in and understand what he's saying. Amen. I'm going to talk about living the add to life. Because he said these things will be added unto you, so that means that I should expect some these things. Ooh, really? Yeah. He said you should expect these things because it's a part of the add to life. Are you with me? Why should you expect it? Tell yourself, I need some things. I know you, you know, I don't need them. Yes, you do. I bet you if I go to your house, you have things in there. Because why? You had need. You just didn't want to stay in the house with nothing in it. They're things. Are you with me? How many of you need some things? Let me see a show of hand because mine is up first. I mean, just think. I, I know. I know. We because we we teach 
See, because God have never had a problem with anybody having things. He's always had a problem with things having people. So God has never had a problem with it. And I know it's been taught in such a way that's all people think about is things. So now they have put it in a whole other category. But God has never had a problem with us having things. Why? Because he created them for us. He said, I know you have need of it. I know you have need of clothes, shoes. But I know you have need of all those things. And I have no problem with you getting those things. Now, some of you already got happy about that. Oh, Lord, now I'm going tomorrow and I'm about... Just be still. Just be still. You know, we like to just run off after we hear one little part. Amen. So, so we say all of us need something. But watch the prog- progression. Once and first that you put the tithe in, listen correctly, that's the tenth. When you drop it in the bucket with clean hands, clean heart, right motivation, remember at the beginning I told you, don't focus on the money. Don't focus on the dime on the dollar because that's all the tithe is. Ten cents on a dollar. That's all it is. Because there's nothing, that's not where we're going with that. I don't want you concentrating on that. Now watch where we're going to this morning. First of all, the tithe was simply putting it in the offering plate or the offering bucket. It is to produce a harvest for you with the 90. So it's, it's, it's a progression. The right tithe is going to produce the harvest with the 90. Now the, nine, the harvest of the 90, watch this, the harvest of the 90 is going to produce the add to life. So now you got those three in line that must be on point. I got a tithe. I get the 90% that's wholly set apart for the harvest. And now, and remember what that's going to do because you're doing it right. You're going to now super abound. Now you're going to super abound. And he said, then you're going to be into the add to life. It's not going to, see most people want to do the add to life in front of all of that. And don't do that at all. Just want, I just want, I want to have all this stuff. I want to do this. I want to do that. But this is God's kingdom and this is the way He's laid it out. I must tithe. I must get a harvest. And the harvest is going to lead me right into the add to life. Three things happen. Three things happen here. I just told you. Tithe, harvest, add to life. Write it down. Tithe, harvest, uh, add to life. It's gonna, it needs to come in that order in the kingdom. See, that's getting exciting because you're like, okay, I can do that. I can do that. Wait, just hold on. See, because when I talked about the tithe, you suffered through that. You was like, oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah, oh, oh yeah, I've been doing it all wrong. Oh, yeah, this, this. yeah. And then when I start talking about the harvest and the third part, you almost fainted. Oh, ain't no way. Oh, phew, that's going to be too hard to do. I can't do, I can't do any of that. Hmm. Now watch this. If you follow these instructions, listen to me closely. Listen to me closely. If you follow the instructions that I'm going to give you, the add to life is waiting for you. I promise that. I promise that not on my word, but on God's word. Because God is not a man that he should lie. He said, if they do it my way, they will live in the add to life. He just laid it out to you here. If you would do 31 and 32, 33, you're there. 
You better read it over and over and over again. Now, tell yourself, I want this thing. Four significant things that I want you to remember about the Add to Life. Now, listen very closely. Right, number one. Our anxiety about what we don't have or what we need or what we, uh, or what we will need will not help you with the Add to Life. I'll say it again. Having anxiety about what you don't have what you, what you need or what you will need will not help you in the add to life. Having anxiety about what you don't have, about what you need, what you, yeah, well, I'm gonna need this and that. You're gonna have anxiety attacks about it. The Bible even says, you know, you do all of that stuff. He said, which of you can add a statue to your, to your existence. Which you can grow an inch by all of that wearing you doing. About nothing. Some people have made themselves sick in their body just worrying about things like this. That God said, I don't want you caught up in that. But they spend all of their time I like what it says in verse 27. Which of you by taking thought or which of you by wearing can add one cubit into your stature? He said, tell me, with all of the wearing you're doing, has it made you get any taller? Have you gotten what you worried about? Have you sat there all that time and worried? What have you got? Now, you got either a headache, your stomach is growling you're, because you've got pains and knots in your stomach. Your back hurt. Everything just starts hurting. Your neck hurt. Your shoulders hurt. Everything. See, all of those, those are things that you have made anxiety attack your body. Our body is an intricately built thing. It cannot take all of that. Because what you think on the longest become the strongest in your life and it will affect your body. Good, bad, or indifferent. You think on it long enough, it's going to affect your body. And if you think on it long enough, you'll do it. Good, bad, or indifferent. Second thing, I want you to remember that our Father knows that you have need of these things. See, so you just get into the add two principles here. Listen, your heavenly Father knows what things you have need of. Again, I want you to look at that. He didn't say things that you want. He said, I know that you have need of these things. God is not sitting up ignorant of your needs. But you treat God like He's ignorant of your needs. That's a slap in Jesus' face. It's a slap in God's face. Once I worry about the things that He already showed me in here that He told me I don't want you to get caught up in because I can give you the add to life if you don't, it's like slapping Jesus in the face and saying, I can't, I, I don't trust you. I just don't trust you, God. I got to worry about this thing. No, 
you, God already knows that you have need. He's not ignorant to those things. So what God wants us to do is get into a lifestyle. I like that word. See, we can't just step. It has to be a lifestyle. It has to be a continuation. It has to be not what we do, but who we are. I keep telling people all the time, this is not what I do, it's who I am. See, you have to own it. You got to make it just what you, you, ought to, you have to make it like you're breathing. It's just naturally. That's called being consistent in the Word. Just be consistent in the Word. And that'll make it where we're not preoccupied. And, you know, we're not somewhere snotting and crying and I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. Just back and forth worrying about what all these things that God said don't worry about. Oh, we're not going to have at the end of the month. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. First of all, are you a tither? Again, not about the money. Obedience. And if you are, did you do it right? And did you lift up the 90 to God and ask Him how to do it? Because I don't even know how to do it. And it's nothing magical about it. It's nothing supernatural where God said, Oh, hocus pocus, and there you go. But somehow, when you work the Word of God, you will have the same amount of money that you come up short with that at the end of the month, you have more than enough. And you'll be like, how did that? Wait a minute. It's the same money. But I did something different. I operated in the principles of God. The principles of God will take. See, it's nothing He's not going to supernaturally do anything. He don't have to. Why? Because seed time and harvest is already in the earth. It works. It's going to because you have done seed time, harvest. You've, you've done all the things that we previously taught. And now all you have to do is say, okay, God. This works. How is it? I'm telling you, I have seen so many people that have retired or people that make less money than they did when they work and do better. Now, how is that? Other than the kingdom life. You be like, I'm living better than I did all them hours I was working. I mean, my God and driving, my and just doing all that. And, and you can't see it when you're working. You think you have to work all the way up. Oh, I got to keep my job. Because you don't operate in the principles. I have seen time and time again where people make less money and do better than when they were making. And they were work, trying to work overtime, getting extra this and extra that, trying to make it work. But that is the world's way. And it always corrupts. Because you do all of that, and at the end of the day, you don't live past 50-something. Because you don't work so hard and wear your body down. You're tired. You, can't get, you, you and your spouse can't go nowhere and enjoy life. Because all we did was work. We just couldn't see, where, you know, making less than what we had. See, you don't look at those things. You don't worry those things. You don't consider those things. You don't seek those things. You don't focus on the things when you're operating in God's plan. It just works. And it all comes from seed time and harvest. And he said as long as the earth remains, it'll always. He placed that principle in the earth and it won't change. You sow, you're going to reap. Good, bad, or indifferent. Whatever you sow, it's coming up. 
Something is coming up. So many people today, they don't know why they can't get love. You never sold any. None comes up. And you think people are being meaner, but they can't even do it because it, it's a principle that works. You have to have put something in the ground. You have to have sown something. So you'd be like, huh, nothing's coming up. Nothing. Good. What did, did you put nothing? Well, no, I didn't. And, you know, see, again, once you get to the place where you're actually living in it, you never, ever go back in the past where you didn't sow or where you, where you sold. You don't, you don't, you don't put that together. Why is this happening? Go back and think. What did you sow? In 1999, what did you sow in 2014? What did you not sow in 2016? Now it's 2020 and nothing's coming up and you see it coming up in other people's lives and you're like, they're doing something wrong. What's going on? Why do they have it and I don't? Or you'll say, oh, they have it because they got that kind of job. God is don't care about what kind of job anybody has. God is not on there. God could care less. This principle works whether you're a janitor or you have a Ph.D. It works to whoever works the word. Simplicity. Listen, third thing I want you to remember is God has taken full responsibility of your needs. Your needs is not your responsibility. That's our biggest problem. Your needs is not your responsibility. God has taken full responsibility for your needs. Isn't that a wonderful thing this morning to know, grab a hold, and on? God, I'm not responsible. That's not your responsibility. To try to fulfill every need you have. Not when God has already placed in the Word to add to life to take care of all of that. He said, don't you know, I know you have need of those things. I told you in my Word, I know what you have need of. But he said, but those things that you have need of, they're not your responsibility. (laughs) I've got good news for you. They were never your responsibility, even though you took it. From the beginning and the foundations of the earth, the last thing that God did was make man. He did everything else. He laid it all out. Even when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he did not put them in the garden and say, now this is your responsibility. No, he put them in the garden and say, this is not your responsibility. All you need to do is just dress it and clean it. And keep it. That's all you have to do. For the response, you don't have the responsibility to do anything else but dress it and keep it. And just live there. It was my responsibility to get it there. It was my responsibility to have the trees there. Food for you to eat there. Everything that you need there. Everything was in place. God said, you can do the same thing. Stop making my responsibility your responsibility because when you make it your responsibility, you go to the world. 
and the world don't like you. I don't care how good you smell, how good you look, how, how you smile, how you think you've gotten over on them. No, they've gotten over on you. Amen? So we understand that. When God looked around, and, and this, is what, this is what I love about it. This is why I know that it's God's responsibility. Remember in the Garden of Eden, it said he looked around and examined his work and said it was good. He said it's excellent. It's good. It's good to go. It's, the, it's my responsibility to give them. I gave them everything they need. My responsibility. What a good God. And I love the fact that God inspects his work to make sure that it's good. And then I love when he pronounces that it's good. Because when his word go forth, it's established forever. I was this fly by night. But his is established forever. I'm telling you, he gave Adam that responsibility. He, he said, All your, here's your responsibility. Just dress it and clean it. That, he's always given us the easy part. Always. He just said, believe. He said, I'll save you from hell. You, all, your part, just believe. No, 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 I don't want you doing any works. Your works are not good enough. That's my responsibility to save you. Your part is to believe. Always the simple part. Why do we make the simple things so hard? And then act like to God, it's so hard to do God. It's always hard to do when we do it according to the world. It'll always be hard. But he said, if you would just stay focused, all these things will be added unto you. Are you with me? Your things have never been your responsibility. Tell yourself, I think I'm catching on to this. I think I'm catching on to this. It's not my responsibility. Listen, if it was your responsibility, you would take shortcuts. That's why God said, no, I'm not making that choice. I don't trust you with that. Because why? I'm laying it out. Everybody say the tenth gets the harvest. The tenth gets the harvest. The harvest puts me into the add to life. Now tell yourself, I am an add to citizen of the kingdom of God. I am an add to citizen of God. See, this is not just a game. This is not I say, you say. This is real. I want you to say it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You need to tell yourself every day, I am an add to citizen of God. When you have the, the temptation to do it according to the world, say, oh no, I am an add to citizen of the kingdom of God. I don't have to do that. Fourth thing that I want you to remember. That is, that you do have a responsibility to seek the kingdom of God. That is your responsibility. My only responsibility is to seek the kingdom of God. Now that's great to know. 
you can almost relax and say, Ooh, Lord, I got the easy part. Yeah, just seek the kingdom of God. But watch this. this you know, there's more to seeking the kingdom than you think. But any time you seek outside of the kingdom, it's harder to get. It's harder to come by. And it's going to corrupt in your hands. Everybody else will, it, it'll flourish in their hands, the exact same thing, but it'll corrupt in yours because you did it the wrong way. I'm talking to believers. Are you with me? Cor- it'll corrupt your life. It'll corrupt your family. Are you with me? That's why you see people, again, that hit lottery, miserable lives. At the end of that thing, miserable lives. They die miserable. They die broke. They die. That's miserable life. Homes broken up. Yo, everybody thinks, even some of you right now, you think, if I just had $100,000, everything would be perfect. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Everybody thinks that. Just like people think, well, if I get a baby, that's going to make our marriage work. No, it won't. It's not what it's created to do. Money is not created to make you happy. Now, it'll get you things, sinner or saint. But notice, after you get the things, new don't last new long. Then it settles down and you'll be like, you know what? This wasn't all it cracked up to be. No, because it's not created for that. Don't seek the kingdom of God. The people that, that, that messed up their lives with lottery, they didn't seek the kingdom of God. They sought the lottery. Now, if we ought to seek the kingdom, that means that there's something we ought to know. Now, these are the questions that we need to know. Now, you know, and we're going to chase them as we seek the kingdom. Write them down. Things we ought to know. Number one, we need to know what is the kingdom of God. What is it? Most people don't know. Number two, how to do I seek the kingdom of God? Most people don't know how to seek the kingdom of God. Number three, we need to know how to access the kingdom of God. Different. And then we need to know how to sow in the kingdom of God. If sowing and reaping is always in the earth and will always be here, I need to know how to operate in that. See, once you find it, you find out how to sow. Listen, because that, that's so important. Once you find out how to sow, the principle of God is going to just boom in your life. And see, a lot of times people think sowing is they just do something one time and they think, I'm like, ask a farmer, can they sow one seed and be done and get a big harvest? Ask the farmer, how long does it take? Does it next week? Do they get a big harvest? See, the farmers is a pure example how this work sow and reap. We don't want to wait for nothing, and if it don't come within the time we want it, it don't work. And then sometimes you go ahead and get beyond because you didn't think it was going to work because it didn't come in the time that you do it, and then you do something foolish, and then it comes up. And you'd be like, oh, shoot, I should have just waited. Oh, oh, if I would have just waited. Oh, all of y'all can attest to that. 
We because because I want if I put seed in the ground, I'll tell you when to come up. Listen, a seed knows what to do without you telling it. Any seed, just like a natural seed, any seed that goes in the ground, you don't go digging in the dirt trying to tell it to see. Now make sure that you come up and then you go in tomorrow and go dig the dirt back up. Seed, are you there? Everything okay? Need some water? What do you, you don't do all of that. Why? Because the seed knows what to do. Once you put it in the ground and you water it, you keep the, how do I water it and keep things, keep the, Birds from coming and trying to dig in the dirt and get my seed. Well, I continue in the Word. That keeps it all. I don't have to. A seed knows that once it goes in the ground, it says I have to die, I have to germinate, and then I have to come up. That takes time. And notice this. Have you ever been walking on the sidewalk and you see grass coming up from the sidewalk? It could be coming up and over. And you'd be like, how could that? Do you know how? And you, you, you could touch a piece of, uh, weed or whatever come up and it's just as flimsy. How did it get through that rock? I mean, you see it coming up from the rock. The sea's gonna do what it's gonna do. Nothing's gonna stop it. Why? Because God has put His Word on the sowing reef. It's on God. Let me tell you, God's Word cannot be defaulted, not even by a rock. Not even by a stone. It'll come up in the midst. That's why when they're doing highways, they gotta dig deep, get all that stuff and take it out, because it'll come up! They gotta take all of it out. Have you noticed? You can even put plastic down to try to make the weeds not come up. How do they get through that plastic? You mean like, I thought that worked. Because nothing is going to stop the principle of sow and reap. It's been in the earth. You don't have to try to work it. The sow and reap works itself. You got to understand that sow and reap takes time. You need to get with a farmer. And ask them how it works. No, you ain't got to do that. You know, they can Google everything now, right? Just Google it. How to form. The process of forming. See how it works. See how they come up with bad crop. See how they can put a seed, a good seed in the ground and never water it and still get a bad crop. So you can put a seed in the ground and go out and live foolish, act foolish, do everything against the Word of God. It's still going to come up, but it's coming up a bad seed. Oh, that really... Yeah, it works. Good, bad, or indifferent. Are you following me? So we understand we, we have to understand, how do I sow? Once I find the kingdom and I all is right, I'll sort it out. God is going to show you how. Let's take them one at a time. What is the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Let's start with that one first. What is it? What is his king, the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Before I tell you point blank what it is, I want to caution you about something. God, I want to say this because I don't want you to go away thinking. God wants you to have things. He said it right here. He said, I know you have need of them. I just don't want you seeking them. He knows that already. Things were created by God, not for him, but for us. 
things, just things. The chair you're sitting in, just things. They were made by men, but they were created by God. Everything that it took to make it, God made sure it was in the earth. Anything that you can see, taste, touch, smell, anything that can register on your five senses, all of that's been made by men. Not God. Made by men. Did you hear me? All of it's important. Anything that you can see, taste, touch, smell with the natural senses was made for man. Yeah, all that's for man. Because it's registered on your senses. It's not, re- it's not made for God. God is not a natural man. God is a spirit. God did not make those things for Himself. We can taste food. God said, I made that for you. We can feel this. God said, I made that for you. Not for me. God doesn't have a natural body like ours. He's a spirit. And all of the fulfillment of God is going to come in the spirit. You can't even fulfill God. With your natural body. I don't care how many times people jump around and, woo, I'm just all into God. That's not a fulfillment. It's, it's a spiritual thing. That's why he said, they that worship me must worship me. He didn't say in body, spirit, and truth. He said in spirit and in truth. Why? Because that's the only way that I can relate to you worshiping me. Because I'm not natural. So the natural jumping around is for you. Or maybe your reaction. See, because I don't want to put it down because there's nothing wrong. It's, if, if, if it's real, it's real. You can, you can jump around. As long as it's real in the spirit. And understand that the natural is for you. But the true worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. God say, nope, spirit and in truth. That's where you're going to reach me. Not in the natural things. Not in the natural body. Why? Because you can see it. And he said, they that come to me, don't come to me with flesh. The flesh was just for you to live on this earth. Don't come to me with it. Just worship me in spirit and in truth. That's why you know, I, nobody have to, nobody, you know, well, I'll tell you one thing. If you didn't get to run down the aisle and you didn't get to dive on the floor and flip over and everything, I'll tell you, you ain't, ain't been with God. Well, no, I don't have to do all that because I can worship him in spirit and truth. It has nothing to do with you. I'm not worshiping you. I'm worshiping him. God looks at the heart, not the flips. Not the hollering, not the, you know, and all, again, if that's what you do, it don't mean you don't know God. I'm just telling you, for God to receive it, it must be in spirit and in truth. He's not a natural man. Amen. So we must understand everything in the natural that God created, He created for our benefit. God didn't create it and say, now you're restricted from having it. He didn't say that. He said, no. I'll give it to you in the add to life. Everything that I've made. God wants you to have the things, but God never ever wants the things to have you. That's our biggest problem. God says, I don't mind you having them. Anything you want. Just don't let them have you. And that's what God's people get mixed up. As soon as they get them, they let them have them. Then that's all they want to be into. 
Now watch this. I want to caution you on something else. We get the things, even though you see it, listen. Now this is a part that I'm probably going to be difficult to understand too. Even though you see things that you want, God said, I don't want you going and getting them God's way. Get that. Oh, I want you to get that. Because that's the first thing we do. Oh, I love that. Oh, I want one. Oh, I just got to have it. And God said, and that's fine. Now, let me show you how to get it. Now, when I say how to get those things, I'm not saying nothing that God is going to do something magical to get you to get them. But God will make sure they come into your possession one way or the other. It's not your responsibility how it gets to you. Whether he use a man to do it, whether he use a system to do it, it's not your responsibility to care how. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is just to seek the kingdom. I'm just seeking you, God. And God, you know, that's something I really would like. That's something I really want. But God, I'm not going to just jump out there and get it. I'm going to wait on you. And Father, I'm just going to seek the kingdom. And I'm telling you, you will come up one day and you'll be like, I don't even know how I obtained this thing. It was just over some months in time and this thing didn't happen. What the? I can't. Wait, I, wait I'm trying to remember how. You know, what? And you, God, all of a sudden, oh, but if you go back and look, step by step by step, God start making you find favor. And you'll be like, and I love, and you know, God is awesome this way. He'll make you find favor with an enemy. That's just shows y'all good. That's to let you know it's him. He's like, you be like, now they didn't even like me. They didn't even talk to me. And now, what? What? And then you, you go in and God say, okay, you know, you can, you, you can go and do this or, you know, you go into my house or you saw a house you want. And God sends you in to that same teller that you've been arguing with. And all of a sudden they're a loan officer. And you'd be like, oh, Lord, not this one, because we done had it out so many. And God say, and then you want to get one that's going to turn you down, and God has already prepared them. See, it's the way God does it. He, it's nothing magical. He knows how to work with people's hearts, even the evil, the good and the bad. He'll make them fine. And they'd be like, I don't even know why I had to give that to them. I had to go on and sign off on that. And they don't even want to. And they will. But see, if you don't see it that way, you're going to struggle and you're going to keep trying to get it. And then they'll come in and they'll tell you, well, you need to get an extra, you need an extra $3,000. And you need, you'll be like, oh, oh, okay, who can I borrow that from? And who can I do it? Whenever you're right there, say, stop. Stop. Now, that's not God. Now, if God can't get me $3,000, then I'm in, that is not God. He can't be God if I'm, I'm lacking that and that. But you will leave God on the shelf and go and make that happen. God's a blessing. It's a blessing. I'm going to do it. Or they'll tell you, okay, now at first we had your car payment down to 400 and something. But we're going to have to take it up to about 1000 now. And you try to figure out, well, I can make, I can do it. I could do it. You know what? I'm going to stop doing this. No, you're not. I can, I, I'm, I'm going to just add that money there. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. No, you're not. You're going to try to do that and that. Now, here comes debt. Because you're just going, you're going to keep doing it. That way. What did your pastor? 
your founding pastor always said, and that was uh, he was a stickler for that. He waited for people to say it was going to all be gone at a certain time so he could say, now nah, I don't want it. He waited for that. But all you had to do was tell him, this is your last time to get it. And then he said, now nah, we'll wait. He said, anytime it's like that, Al, just wait. Just wait. Because if they don't give you, if they don't give me time to pray and seek God, we're not doing any of that. And see, I used to be the type, I can get excited about something in a minute and he would calm me away. He was good for me. Because he would balance me right on out. Like, uh uh-uh. No, and I'd be, oh look, there's got nothing. He'd just walk in and he'd say, yeah, that's not. I mean, it's nothing, you know, nothing exciting. I'm going to tell you about your founding pastor. Nothing excited him but the Word of God. Now that, he could go on and on and on and on in through the night and whatever. I, he could sit and talk about that. That's the only thing that it really excited him. On me, the other hand, it was totally different. But he balanced me. He didn't care nothing about clothes, what, you know, whatever you buy, I'll find. Or whatever. Whatever you lay out, he would be concentrating on what he had to do. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But God took care of him for over 30 years. For that very reason. God wanted to do the same thing. He said, you don't have to be caught up in this, that, and the other. You don't have to seek the kingdom. Oh, if only God's people could really, really get this. Let's move on. So where is the kingdom of God? So we have to understand, when you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, why did He say His righteousness? He said, first, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, why did He say righteousness? Now, listen. Again, this one will be difficult. Most people think the kingdom of God is heaven. And I want us to start saying in there, let it be a word around church of living water. The kingdom of God is not heaven. That is the headquarters. So whenever we say, well, I got to pray and I got to go to headquarters. <laughs> because listen, the kingdom of God is in heaven. That is the location of the headquarters. That's where it is. The kingdom of God. But listen. The kingdom of God for us as believers is in righteousness. That's where you're going to find it. You're going to find it in righteousness. The kingdom of God is not a... a it is a physical location in heaven, but that's just the headquarters. But the true kingdom of God that we live in, it's going to be found in righteousness. The more righteous you are, guess what? The more easier it is for you to understand the word. When people don't understand the word, check their righteousness. Because that's a kingdom. When you get right with God, listen, you are in the kingdom. Whether you be on heaven or on earth. Once you get right with God, you are immediately transferred into the kingdom. That's good to know.
You're in the kingdom. I got right with God. I got born again. Now you are in the kingdom. So the kingdom of God, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, but with the heart, I believe into righteousness. It's a heart issue. That takes us into the kingdom. It's a heart issue. Believe in unto righteousness. With my heart, I get into the kingdom. Listen, not with just the confession of my mouth. Because most, a lot of people are going to go to hell because they think it was just a sinner's prayer and a confession of their mouth. But to get the righteousness and to get the kingdom life and understand what the kingdom life is, you've got to believe with your heart. It's a hard issue. So once I become saved, once you're saved, truly saved, you now step into the kingdom. You just stepped out of darkness into light. Now I'm in the kingdom. Why? Because I'm right with God. I step from one out of darkness and I step into the light. You don't have to wait to go to heaven to get into the kingdom. If you're saved, you're in the kingdom. So ask yourself, are you saved? Not by this word of mouth. This has to be a heart issue. The heart's going to take you into righteousness. Righteousness is going to get you in the kingdom. We have to think of it this way. Don't think of the kingdom of God as a location. Think of the kingdom of God as a position. Mm, that's good. Don't think of it as a location. Think of it as a position. And we have a disposition within that position. So then the kingdom of God is in his righteousness. Once you get right with God, then you are right with him. That is the kingdom of God. I'm right with God. I'm in the kingdom of God. No other way are you going to. You cannot get in the kingdom just by confessing that Jesus is Lord. There must be a heart issue to get you from the kingdom of darkness. See, once you, if, when you're not born again, you are in a kingdom. It's called the kingdom of darkness. But once you get right with God and get saved, you now are transformed right into the kingdom of righteousness. You're there. Is it that simple? It's that simple. God wouldn't make it hard. He knew our little finite minds. That's how easy it is. I stepped out of the kingdom of darkness and stepped into the kingdom of light. I'm there. Nothing's going to stop that. In the kingdom of light. Remember, it's a position. So the kingdom of God lives in my heart. It's in your heart. Now, the kingdom of God is present in this church. Why? Because we seek the kingdom of God. Last scripture. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we all know this, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. We all can just quote it because we've all, we've, we've all read it over and over again. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man 
be in Christ. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that word, when you get into righteousness, when you come into the kingdom, now you are sons of God. It's sons of God. It's just the verification of 1 John chapter 3. Verse 17 and 18, write it down. Once you step into the kingdom, from that point on, all things are of God. All things are of God. Once, you, once you're there, read, you, you, I, I, I'm not going to go to it for lack of time, but 1 John 3 and I like verse 13. All things, look, look, look at verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh my God. I have now stepped in to the kingdom of God. See, before when we were in the world, all things were not of God. All things were not of God when we were in the world. They were not of God. But now, things have changed. We talked about the add to life. Now things have changed. In order to, for me to function, in order for me to be fulfilled, in order for me to have the maximum life, all things from this point must be of God. If you want to maximize your life as a believer, all things must be of God. Did you hear me? All things. All things. Everything about your life must run through Christ. Everything. You have to run it through God. That's the only thing that he's saying here. That, you know, uh, he said, now you're my earthly representative in the earth. You stepped into the kingdom of life. Now that you're on earth, you're my earthly representation. That's all that means. You represent me in the earth. And we've been drawn unto him. We are in the kingdom. We are his earthly representative. I want to be his earthly representative. I want to represent Christ. I want to be a person that loves Christ. I want to be known as that. And then we have the responsibility, another responsibility. We have a responsibility to draw others into that kingdom. What is, we have to draw others in that kingdom. You were once in darkness. Stop acting like you don't know nothing about All of a sudden now you're too holy to talk about the things of God to anyone. Now all of a sudden it's just about you and all the saved people. No. God said you must draw others. If you're going to represent me, I don't want you to walk around with your nose snuffed up and acting like I know God and you don't. God said no, I, your responsibility because you have been transformed into a new kingdom, you, I want you to draw others. I want more in that kingdom. And if you're going to represent me, that's what we have to get after. We have to get after what the world rejects. 
those that they don't like, those that are nasty, those that are smelly, those that we feel like don't deserve it. Who are you? Now this will get some. This will get some of you because it, it's, it's going to show you where you are. God is saying, even prayer for your president. Ugh. Ugh. Just when is January twentieth? None of that has none. Do we talking about kingdom life? It doesn't matter about who you like or don't like. That has nothing to do with it. It was, you know, you, you voted for who you vote. Did you do your part? You voted for who you wanted to? That's it. That still doesn't, that, that did that negate you praying. I can't even believe God would even want somebody like him in the, in the kingdom. Well, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that God wouldn't want him? Now, I'm, uh, and now I, see, I can just say this about me. I don't have to say it about anybody else. And I don't advocate and I don't tell nobody in this church who to vote for. And I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who you're for, who you're against. It has nothing to do with me. I did, I, let me, I did not vote for Donald Trump. But it still don't mean I can't pray for him. I don't like some of his policies. Still don't mean God says it still don't have nothing to do with you praying. See that. See now it's taking us to another level. Be like, oh shoot, now, mm, 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 mm. yeah. See those are those little things, and God says, now you sowing seeds with that. Anybody can pray for somebody they love. That's easy to do. It's easy for me to pray for my loved ones. It's easy to pray, pray for people I care about. It's easy for me to pray for everybody at this church. Do you think it's so easy for me to pray for those that have come against my founding pastor or against me or against my family? It's not as easy, but you have to do it. And you have to do it and keep doing it and keep doing it until it changes your mentality. It has to be a consistent thing. Again, it has to become who you are, not what you do. And I can find myself praying for them, and I can find myself asking God to do this in their life and that in their life. And I said, God, I've grown. I've grown. I've grown. That's where we have to get. See, that's the kingdom of righteousness. First seek ye the kingdom and its righteousness. Find somebody that 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 you just not you at odds with. See, some people think a little quick, fast prayer is praying for them. God said, but now you didn't get, you get all deep when it comes to your people. But now somebody you don't like, oh, Father, just bless them and I just hope to keep them, Lord. And Okay, amen. Yeah, God's like, now that was nothing. But it shows your heart issue. 
That's all God is trying to show you. Your heart issue. God said, I want you to pray for them just as sincere as you pray for anyone else. I don't care what they've done to you. We think it's an enemy that somebody that we know. But even those in, in authority, we, you know, we're angry about this and we're angry about that and we're angry at the police and we're angry at this and we're angry at everything. And God said, when's the last time you prayed for any of them? You know how they, they say, if you don't vote, you ain't got no voice, you ought not say nothing. God said, if you don't pray, you ought not say nothing. If you don't pray about it, you ought not say nothing. Just shut your mouth until you learn how to just pray for them. See, we think we have to be in love with somebody to pray for them. God said, no, I'm going to have you pray for those that you actually hate because i got to drive that hatred out of your heart. Or the ones you don't like, I gotta, I gotta make sure. You want this, that, and the other. And God said, and all the time I'm checking your heart. And here you are doing this. I'm in the kingdom of righteousness. I'm back in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of righteousness. I'm back in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of... God said, well, what do you think this is? Some type of chess playing? What? Checker playing? Back and forth. And then I'm up, I'm back in it, and I'm back. You know, what, what, what? No. Consistency is key. God said, you want to say checkmate, then you're going to have to know what to do. You're going to have to know what to do to the queen, the king. You're going to have to know what to do to all of that. And God said, that comes with understanding and being in the kingdom of righteousness. I know, I know, you just can't see it. But I'm going to tell you, these are... Principles and things, if you would operate in them, your life, your finances, everything would change. My finances have something to do with me praying for Donald Trump. Yeah. For you it do. Not for everybody, but for you it do. If you had to ask that, for you it do. Uh, I don't like I'm not streaming anymore. It's okay. It's too late. You didn't, you've heard that. And remember, God has his people everywhere. God is trying to get you where you need to be. Get the stony heart out. Get that callous heart out. We must get rid of all those things if we are going to live an add to life. Or you're going to watch everybody with the add to life and you will never have it. You're going to watch everybody superabound and you will always lack. Only because Everything is out of order in the heart. Everything's out of order in the heart. Kingdom of righteousness, seeking the kingdom of righteousness, getting in the kingdom of righteousness is going to take a heart change. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.